Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the Mick Clifford Podcast with the Irish Examiner. Now, with this time of year that's in it and the weather that will now and again anyway appears to be threatening a summer, a lot of people's thoughts are turning to the holliers. Except, as we can see, this is a summer like no other and who knows how the holidays are going to work out. But for those who earn their crust in the tourism industry, the run-up to this summer has been full of worry. Many of us, I suppose, forget that a huge number of people in the tourism hotspots rely on the summer months to tide them over through the long winter. To discuss that and the broader issue of how tourism might go this year, I'm joined by John Fitzgerald, who I suppose you might call a marine entrepreneur. John may be familiar to some listeners as he's featured on TV in recent years in connection with his current business in the seaweed sector. And we'll talk about that presently. But for decades, he's been resident in deepest South Kerry near Derry Nan, a lovely part of the world. And as such, he's uniquely positioned to give an account of what life is like for those who rely on tourism and what this summer is likely to bring. John, you're welcome to the podcast. Thanks a million, Mick. John. You might start by setting the scene. I, I think you live, is it between Derrynan and Sneem on the Ring of Kerry? And um, how are things down there now? I mean, for example, how are they compared to how they have been at this time in recent years and last year? Well, it's strange times indeed, Mick. Uh, the Ring of Kerry is pretty much deserted. We, we're in Castle Cove there, just in the Ring of Kerry. Uh, and normally this time of year, we hopping with tourism already. And at the moment, all we're missing is the tumbleweed. Really, it's pretty dead, John. And has it been that way since, I'm somewhat familiar with it, but the area, I'd say there's an awful lot of uh, summer houses in that and you would have a lot of people coming down from the likes of Cork City and maybe Limerick, whatever, about Dublin. I presume that kind of traffic has dried up as well. A few people moved just before lockdown, I guess, people who, older folk who wanted to do their lockdown down here. but. Um, since then, it's been pretty much uh, very, very quiet. So, yeah, there's lots of um, holiday homes, if you like, which are just lying uh, idle, so to speak, until uh, restrictions are lifted. And in general terms, just take the area you are there. What kind of businesses are we talking about? Well, we're um, Atlantic Irish Seaweed, so we'd, we'd normally take part, a good part of our business would be taking people to the shore and introducing them to seaweeds, getting them to taste them and learn all about their uses and their history and how they tied in with from the monks and skelligs to the Viking raiders, um, et cetera, et cetera. That obviously is curtailed for now, but there's many other businesses around here. You'd have the skelligs, of course, is a huge attraction. We're here on the skellig ring and uh, there's a pal of ours nearby takes people to the skelligs. That's closed this year for to visitors. There'll be no landings. He's hoping, John Laroche, that when restrictions lift, he'll be able to take people out on fishing trips and maybe trips around the Skellig and the other islands just to kind of salvage something from the season, you know. You've got your B&Bs, your hotels, your guest houses. 
bars, restaurants um, are all kind of on a knife edge at this stage, hoping they'll be able to make it through to next year. Yeah, I see that one stage, John, you were involved in in a bar restaurant down there, the Blind Piper. I think it's got a bit of a reputation. The likes of that now, how, how has that been the last number of months? Well, I suppose, sorry, sir, it's been closed, of course, with the... the well, has it <laughs> been closed? <laughs> it has been closed as a bar. She, she's been doing takeaway food um, at the weekends, and I'd say she's hoping to open up when restrictions lift and um, do mainly food. Because uh, I guess for a bar, the normal bar situation whereby people are standing up at the counter, elbow to elbow, um, those days are gone for the foreseeable future. But she's lucky in that, in the fact that she does food, which means um, they've got a proper kitchen there, which means that um, people will, will be fed, if not um, drank. I suppose the likes of water sports is fairly popular there, isn't it? Those kind of things. Again, all these small businesses all knitted together to go to make the community. Absolutely. And I must remember, we've, we've four or five months of the year to pay for the 12 months. So a lot of people work. It's not normal working hours. They work around the clock while the tourists are here. If you like, we're, we're like the mackerel. We're seasonal, or the swallows. And uh, we, we've got to make it while it's there. You've got Helen Wilson down at Derryland Seasports there. Now, she runs um, kids' camps throughout the summer with social distancing this year. Not sure will that be an option, but she also hires out windsurfers and kayaks and stuff like that, snorkel gear, etc. So that that will, bodyboards, paddleboards, etc. So hopefully that will keep going. So we're, we're, we're trying to, uh, everybody's trying to concentrate on how to just pull through these um, trying times. And at the same time, let's not forget, we're all blessed in being in lockdown in one of the most beautiful parts of the earth. I suppose so. Like <laughs> the, the the whole area of uh, cycling and in particular walking has taken off in a major way in the last few months everywhere, presumably even not just in this country, but everywhere else. But if you have to do that, I suppose it's the best thing if you can at all is to be doing it somewhere down like where you are. Now, John, Initially, the schedule for opening up, as I read it, would have put the prospect of the likes of yourself and, and other people down there getting off the ground towards the end of July. That now looks like it may be brought forward, nearly definitely be brought forward to the end of June. Has that changed prospects? Has it given any hope to have some kind of a summer out of it? It, w- it, w- it will have changed things um, a fair bit. And I think that all the rental houses have been snapped up immediately because I guess people in the cities, be it Dublin, Cork, Limerick, they're just dying to get away and get back down to the country and get to the seaside, etc. understandably, after such a long period of lockdown in a city. can't imagine anything worse. But um, it looks like it could be just the domestic market for this year. And speaking personally, we, we would have dealt with an awful lot of overseas visitors that would have all been pre-booked through tour operators going right through till October. So my last, about nine out of 10 emails I've gotten in the last four months have begun with, we are sorry to inform you, the following tours have been cancelled. Uh, so we're, we're all, they're, they're obviously suffering also. So we're working on, um, on trying to come back in 2021 with the foreign operators um, bigger and stronger. Um, it's, 
like there's there's basically got to be planes in the sky and 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 cars and buses on the road for us to be realizing our full potential when it comes to um our mainstay which would be one hour uh, foreshore tours guided uh, foreshore tours and it's ironic there um next week there's a a large company based in Switzerland and Massachusetts called EF Education First. I'm going to be doing a live virtual tour with them next week from the shore. I've been trying out my uh, Bluetooth microphone um, and the, the, it'll be the biggest tour I've ever done. There could be thousands of people tuned into it live and asking me questions and uh, me speaking direct with them. But there'll actually be only two people at the beach and that'll be me and my wife, Carrie Ann, with the uh, the iPhone on a, on, a, on a selfie stick filming it. So the biggest yeah, forever, and there'll only be two people at it. <laughs> the nature of things are say, I was going to come to that, your, your own business, and we'll talk about that in a minute in terms of the seaweed, and I think it's a fascinating area. But just that picture you have there, one aspect of your business, as I understand it, is that you, you bring people along the shoreline, identify various types of seaweed and uses for them, and you're going to be doing that now in a virtual sense. Well, we're, we're this one um, tour operator, they're the largest player in, in the world. They, they basically take North American tourists, that's Canadians and, and from the States, um, all over the world um, on their, while they're in college. And uh, they have offices in, in Boston and in, in Switzerland. They have 22,000 employees and they approached me um, to do a virtual tour and they're doing this with other uh, activity providers like they're going to there'll be a tour of a vineyard in Spain and a cheesemaker in Italy and stuff like that so that all their clients who are stuck in lockdown all over North America can come on um, and experience the um, get to come along on the experience even though they're in lockdown and can't go to an airport so it's something to keep their client base um, happy and uh, keen so that when they can come and travel, hopefully they will come and try and take in all some of these experiences all over the world. Yeah, it's an interesting concept and it's a huge tribute to technology. You'd have to hope and presume that we don't get to the stage where that starts to become something of the norm. Because apart from taking away from the experience, it's, uh, it's bad enough that everyone's shopping online. That's affecting uh, retailers, not to mind tour operators that people are having virtual tours. You holiday online. Yeah, exactly. But John, back again to just that thing I mentioned about, like locally and yourself, uh, when Leo Varadkar announced the, the, the bringing forward of these dates, did that give you hope for this year? Did that change schedule or anything from that point of view? It will certainly make a huge difference, especially to bigger operators, if you like, who are who have a lot tied up, as in hoteliers or bar, restaurant owners, um, we're lucky in that our premises is the shore. It's the bit of the land between the high water mark and the low water mark. So um, we're not paying rent or rates, if you like, on that space. Whereas um, for, for larger operators, B&Bs, hotels, restaurants, this, this few weeks will make a massive difference. And it, and it is firmly our belief that um, people from the cities We'll want to come, we'll want to break lockdown as soon as they're legally allowed to. So we would, we would be expecting record uh, Irish holidaymakers because obviously they can't go to the airports either. 
Yeah, and uh, b- being on the ring at Kerry, one of the features there, of course, um, and I grew up there in uh, Carsevine myself, and I always remember one of the features is the coaches full of American tourists that come around. Well, not just American, but predominantly American, that come around. I presume it's the same out where you are, and they're gone for the year, I presume, totally. And any spin-off from that is is finished completely. It's funny, the middle of March, we saw the last few of those pass through. And uh, now you'd be you'd be more likely to see a leprechaun. Um, <laughs> and, it, it, and like we were down at the shore with the kids the other day and a lone plane grazed the skyline. And we hadn't seen one in weeks. And uh, one of the kids called it a rare plane. Um, so it, when, when the planes are up there, then the buses are on the ring. And when both those things are happening uh, between Killarney, Tralee and the entire ring of Kerry, we're kind of full, and the Dingle Peninsula as well, we're kind of full tourism-wise then. With with those numbers taken all out of the equation and we can't see them coming back until there's a vaccine um, because like social distancing doesn't work, um, obviously on, on, a, on a bus uh, price-wise. So um, until there's a vaccine, we, we're just not going to see those again. So it's, it's a question of um, innovation and attempting to see what else could be done. So uh, uh, we're, we're affected, but there's, there'll be a lot more taking a heavier hit than us. Uh, it's just my, my wife and I, so we wouldn't have staff, if you like, which obviously restaurants, hotels, hugely reliable, reliant on staff. And not only that, but especially in South Kerry, it's seasonal staff. So um, you've got, you've got a, you, you only need them for the five or six months or less. So, so it's, it's hard to get them because it's less of a, an offer than giving somebody a full-time position. So the people you get who are any good, you, you try and hold on to them um, through hell or high water. And obviously that's exactly where we are is in hell or high water. So ironically, the same staff difficulties that might have been here last year very, very busy year for those types of businesses. They're actually going to exist here again because the season's been so shortened. Who's going to move um, and take up employment for such a short amount of time um, when, when it doesn't logistically make sense? Yeah, what's interesting there too, John, is, is two elements to what you're talking about. First of all, uh, as you say, the, the the American tourism market in particular, and probably by extension the British and European, until there's a vaccine, irrespective of how things manage, and you know there's various projections, the economy, okay, it'll be a negative growth this year. There, I saw a pr- prediction today that it'll be up to 4 or 5% next year. But in terms of the tourism business, that market looks like it'll be at the very least depleted, if not eliminated, until there's a vaccine, which is, is, is could be a long-term thing. The other thing that strikes me about what you're saying is that, again, with some luck and fingers crossed, most of the country, most of the economy, most of society will be moving, getting going again over the next coming months. But those of you who work in tourism and work seasonally, the big fear, I presume, is the coming winter because... That you you won't have the resources uh, gathered this summer to face into that. Absolutely, um, and remember, tourism is the biggest source of employment in County Kerry. I think it's the only county in 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 the country that where tourism is the biggest employer. 
so it, it's going to affect us more than others. And you got to pay your bills in the three or four months. Your insurance, um, you got to pay f- so that you get through the winter in such a short amount of time that it is. Um, there are some businesses who sadly will 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 um, will be really put to the wall. There are government supports, whether they're getting to where they're needed. And we've all I've heard anecdotally about this COVID payment, and there's some um, millionaires getting it because they're entitled to it the way it was set up. And then there's um, there's people who, who genuinely need um, a dig out. Who who, who uh, and hopefully the government will through Fault Ireland will um, will help steer uh, the resources to keep those shows on the road because when it does come back, it's going to come back. Stronger than ever would be my belief. Once, once, once this we get through this and out the other side. The way I, I like to look at this is, is this is a, a, akin to our World War Two, where, where but interest rates have never been as low. And as far as I'm concerned, every country who can should borrow and just um, trade our way out of it. And once the vaccine comes, just get back to as normal as we can and keep obeying the etiquette of washing our hands and um, and hopefully we'll get the social distancing will shrink as we go along but um, certainly borrow and and trade our way out uh, we can't go back to austerity it didn't work the first time Right I take your point of course it, it, it is that issue that whereas a lot of sectors will be able to survive with social distancing without the vaccine as you say you can build it and they will come they won't be coming from abroad until there's the vaccine but that in terms of this year now again, John, that indicates that whatever summer you're going to have there is going to be to the greatest extent from the domestic market. One thing that strikes me about that is the character of the Irish tourist or the Irish based tourist different from that coming abroad from the point of view of of service providers like yourself and food and drink etc. All of that. It would be um, slightly different. Uh... Now, thankfully, seaweed has never been more um, on trend. So we have a huge interest, a huge interest in the Irish market. In fact, uh, one of the things that's getting us through these difficult times is we've also developed a unique process to turn the rods of kelp into handles for cutlery. We just got a big order from Ian Doyle of the Cliff House Hotel in Ardmore. So the next two months will be supplying a, a massive cutlery order for, for him, which will help tide us over till we can take the groups again, if you like. But in general, the the, the foreign tourist tends to stay in hotels, um, ease out. They, 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 they have a bigger spend because they're, they're, um, it's their big trip, whereas a lot of the Irish tourists will shop before they leave the city and bring mo- most of what they want for their week um, down with them. And they'll go and do the activities themselves because they kind of they've been there before. But from your point of view, as of now, you would uh, forecast that the likes of your area and by extension areas like it all over the Western Seaboard in particular and all tourist areas should be pretty full come July and August with the domestic market to a large extent making up for the, the absence of the foreign tourists? I'd say absolutely. And I'd say food outlets will will do well if their offering's good. 
and activity um, off crowds will do well also um, because I'd, I'd say people are saying, right, we're not going to Italy this year, we're not going to France this year, so they will have a spend for Ireland um, and they might do stuff that they wouldn't have tried three or four years ago. They might say, do you know something, we're not going skiing or wherever, it was costing loads of money, let's spend a few um, euros doing stuff that we wouldn't have thought of doing a couple of years ago because we might have been sent, um, say, keeping some of our money for a, win- a winter break as well. Okay, and one of the things perhaps they might do is, and it might be slightly unusual, but then for a lot of people it won't be, is find out about seaweed. John, how did you get into the seaweed business? Well, um, myself and my wife, we were years fishing down here um, and messing around in the sea, snorkeling, swimming, all that. And it just started to strike me. I've been grazing on seaweeds for a long, long time. But Sorry, when you say you've been grazing on seaweed, you mean eating it like? Yeah, we'd, we'd, if going out fishing, you'd pluck a bit off the rocks and just chew it. And there was an interest there. And this lady brought out a book, oh, it must be 12 years ago. Her name was Prani Rattigan. She's a, a doctor from Sligo. But I got my hands on that book and it kind of awoke my curiosity, if you like. Now, she since has brought out another book, which has become an international bestseller. Um, and it turns out she, she actually attended UCC. Back in the day when studying medicine, when I was there studying science, um, and we've met several times since. But if you like, she single-handedly started a a global um, uh, kind of resurgence in in interest in seaweed. Now, it was always there in the likes of Japan, China, Korea, but certainly in the the West, Western world, she she would have spearheaded what is is definitely a, a kind of an explosion. And when when you say that, like, are, are you talking about an interest in seaweed as something to view, something to use, to eat? Is it to to use and eat um, the health benefits, etc. Um, like they're they're being recognised now as as the kind of unsung heroes, the superfoods. Um, they're they're the only they're, we like to call them sea vegetables. Um, they're the only plants. We don't have to mind. They mind themselves. You don't have to water them. You don't use fertilizer. You don't need land. They just grow away. You just have to respect them. They fix carbon. They release oxygen. Um, so th- there's there's no part of it which isn't good as long as we look after them. Uh, but for instance, in the last 16 months, I've gotten more inquiries from chefs based in Ireland than I have in the previous 10 years. And what do they want to do, the chefs, what do they want to do with it? They want to start messing around with them and put them on the menu. They want to include it on their menu, even in South Kerry here. So I would have had Michelin star type restaurants approach me. But now the local restaurant wants to include a bit of of it on the menu and they want the backstory of what it was used for long ago and what it's used for now. So if you like the Irish food industry, certainly around the coast, you're getting in touch with the likes of J.P. McMahon and, and people like this. You're, you're getting the same thing that, that would have always been there in the Basque region, whereby they, they, they've had a huge respect for local produce. And they're, if they're coast, because they're coastal, they'd have a massive respect for stuff from the ocean, not just the fish, but also the seaweeds. I suppose in that respect, it, it, it feeds into the wider green agenda that... Um 
seems to be coming far more prominent naturally in terms of the state of the, the planet and what have you. Oh, utterly, there's um, there'll be a move to seaweed farming that's growing it on on ropes like they grow mussels at the moment. Um, and what that does is it, again, I said it fixes carbon um, and it releases oxygen, but you're leaving the wild stocks alone and you have complete control over the species you grow as long as all you got to do is seed the ropes and you you pull pull a kind of a, a, a seeded thread across the rope and you leave it and you come back three and a half months later and you have pieces of, say, kelp that might be 15 foot long and then you just harvest the whole lot and uh, you dry it or you freeze it and then it goes into the food chain. So it, it, it's really, you're freeing up the land, which is exhausted at this stage from overuse of fertilization and all that. And um, so it's a real win-win. I think it's going to be the food stuff of the future. Yeah, I, I noticed there, I think it might have been last year, and I, I, do, I don't want to go into any details of it for obvious reasons, but I noticed there was there was a high court case over an issue that arose over the commercial farming of seaweed and various rights. So it shows that, as I say, John, once they start heading for the court, you know there must be a few bob in it. But your business, as, as I understand, you've been at it a few years and you were hoping in terms of the business cycle and that, that this year was going to bring things on to another level for you, that you, you'd various things lined up, I think, with tourist boards and that. And um, that must have been a bit of a blow so in that regard. Yeah, it was the biggest um, tour operator gathering, probably um, in Ireland. It was in early April and it, it takes place in City West in Dublin. So there's um, thousands of tour operators from all over the world come in there and we all go and we pitch. You might have 60 meetings, 60 10 minute meetings throughout the day or, or over the two days. This year, for obvious reasons, it was cancelled. And in the two weeks between the time we booked and booked the hotel and got everything ready, and in just within 10 days beforehand, it was cancelled. And a week beforehand, it had been turned into um, an isolation centre for COVID 19. That's right, very expensive one, yeah. That was rough going, all right, from, from the point of view of trying to get a business off the ground. Another thing that strikes me, John, I think you mentioned it earlier down there, uh, the Skelly Grock, always, again, short season, major for some of the local operators. Do you see any prospect this year that there will be trips out to the Rock? There'll be no landing. Um, the OPW have made that announcement, but there will be um, there'll be boats that'll tour around it. Um, our local guy here, John Larashe, We'll, we'll do fishing trips um, at social distance on board and and tours out to the islands, I'd imagine. But uh, a lot of guys invested heavily in in second boats and bigger boats. Uh, so they'll, it'll be tough on them now this year um, to have paid out capital like that and, and to get such a kick, you know. Now, now, when it comes to the tour operators that we were dealing with, I'm in contact with all of them anyway, and they've all, um, it's, it's quite positive. They're, they're all coming back with the, we're not calling this a cancellation. What we're all working for is rebooking. We're just moving it to, for 12 months in the hope that we'll be in a better position next year. So nobody, everybody wants to come to Ireland more than they did even before. 
they just can't come now. It's not that they're not going to come or they're going to go somewhere else. They can't wait to come. I'd imagine, just like the people from the city here in Ireland, from Cork, Dublin, Limerick, etc., as soon as they can, they're going to be in places like this, not just here, but everywhere, Dingle and all, all West Cork, etc., um, Waterford and all that, but and all along the West Coast. But uh, I'd, I'd imagine that a lot of foreign tourists uh, who have their heart set on coming to Ireland, and I, I, at this stage, I'd like to say one of the reasons we're blessed, Mick, is because of the weather. Um, when it rains down here, and you know yourself, the winters can be harsh down here. The sea can get rough, and there's that, that famous saying when the tourist says to a local, I love the view, and the, the local says you can't eat the view. <laughs> but, um, the sea was associated with immigration and hardship and the drowning of fishermen and such. Whereas we're we're of a different generation and the sea can provide us with a living and a sustainable one once we get going. But I'd say um, that those tourists, they really want to come to Ireland because Ireland hasn't been ruined the way certain holiday destinations, which have sunshine all the time, um, have been overdeveloped. And the reason we weren't overdeveloped with apartment complexes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like places like the south of some other European countries that may or may not be around the Mediterranean, not to be naming any, would, um, which are destroyed, they're, um, because of our weather, we got away with it. It's not because we didn't have the developers who had access to greed and capital to do that. It's because the weather meant it never happened. And that's why we will bounce back. Because if you like, we're going to stay green. Um, they, they'll need another few, uh, maybe another 100 years of global warming before those developers will be in a position to stick up the, the, the tower blocks of apartments. John, that's the best excuse I ever heard for having bad weather uh, along, along the West Coast. Anyway, no doubt about that. But it's interesting what you say, John, though, because it, it just strikes me. And again, this is the type of thing that wouldn't have been completely obvious to the likes of me and perhaps others. And that is that uh, tourism in particular will, on the basis that, you know, hopefully we do, but the chances are we won't have uh, a vaccine by the end of this year. So you're facing into early next year. Hope again that something happens pretty quickly and quickly enough that it will mean that things will be, to whatever extent, get back to a, a scenario whereby... Uh, travel outside your own country won't be a big deal. Absolutely. Now, I, I do think that travel from the UK will take place this year. Um, right. Perhaps towards the latter end. That will make a big difference because, again, there um, we get a certain type of English tourist um, besides maybe the likes of Temple Bar. But we get certainly down this way, we get, we get a, a type of English tourist which is m- most welcome and um, interested in culture and heritage and experiences and you know, uh, um, so I'd imagine we'd, we'd start to get them towards the end of the year. But yeah, we're, it's fingers crossed all around for, for a vaccine. And who knows, this could bring down um, governments on both sides of the, of the pond, or certainly their leaders. Well, that's, <laughs> that's an interesting theory, all right, on that one. So as things stand, John, you're relatively optimistic that something can be salvaged this year for people like yourself? Sure. Now there, and for, for people who have, have a lot tied up, as in, um, you know, who have had rent and rates and et cetera to pay, they're, they're, who are capital heavy, um, they, they need support from the government. So hopefully that will be um, forthcoming. 
But you're like, like, like you know yourself, Mick, um, part of my family were generations starving up the hills. Never did us any harm. <laughs> I didn't know that to be honest with you but John the, the only other thing that strikes me in regard to social distancing uh, unlike an awful lot of businesses yours uh, in terms of the, the, the type of tours you mentioned along the shoreline thankfully you have plenty of room there for a bit of social distancing one way or the other absolutely we a group two metres apart our family group and I just stay two metres apart from them and it's game on John Fitzgerald, thank you very much for joining us and hopefully, like everybody in the tourist business, that something will be salvaged from this year and you'll be able to bring forth into the long, dark winter. Thanks very much for that, John. Thank you kindly, Mick. Take it handy, Philip. That's it for today, folks. I'd like to thank our engineer, JJ Vernon. Thank you for listening. Podcast is available on all the usual platforms and please subscribe. We promise, we hope at least, if not promise, you'll get something out of it. If you want to contact me, I'm at mick.clifford.examiner.ie or on the Twitter machine at at See you soon. <laughs>